0: Welcome to All Music Movies, a part of the All Music Podcast series and a companion podcast to All Music Books Deep Dive. Here, we explore music films and documentaries rather than books, and there are so many great ones, old and new. In fact, these days, there seems to be a new music film or documentary every week, so we're very excited to explore this area. I'm your host, Steve Jay, so grab your popcorn, sit back and relax, enjoy the show. Let's talk music documentaries and films. We're joined today by my friend Sonia Collarat, who is the U.S. Director of Catalog for The Beggars Group and has been working in the music industry for 25-plus years. I knew and worked with her when she handled PR at Rikerdisc, but perhaps most importantly, she's crazy about music documentaries. She watches a lot of them and posts some fabulous bite-sized critiques on her socials, and we thought she would be a perfect complement to our show. So she'll be popping in from time to time, whenever she'd like, really, because of her passion. And we're sure you're going to love her. Welcome, Sonia.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited.
0: We are, too. So tell us about your recent documentary viewing. You've been watching and writing about documentaries a lot lately. What inspired this?
1: Well, I love documentaries of all types, all of them. And I have for a really long time. I keep a list on my phone of movies and documentaries to watch, and it's just been growing and growing. And at the start of the pandemic, I was actually looking for something to distract me. And so I started looking at this list, and I realized that most of them were music documentaries. So I started with the Linda Ronstadt doc, and I called it Documentary Week. And then that turned into Documentary Month, and it's just never ended. You know, I like watching movies too, but I like also watching and learning. Which I feel like watching documentaries is less wasted time. Not that movies are a waste of time, but like you feel like you're learning. And you know, I work in the music business, so it always feels good to to just learn as much as possible about every genre across the board.
0: Yeah, you're a true music fan, as are both Steve and I. And and with our background at Rykodisc, where they didn't focus on a genre. That's haunted me my whole life. So I explore things I know nothing about and it's, it's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. I think it's served us well. Indeed. Keeps our minds open to many different types of music. And I've watched many different types of music documentaries.
0: Yeah, ditto. And that, as you know, All Music Books was the start of this, but we moved to documentaries because it seemed like a lot of people were doing that, especially during the pandemic. You know, I still read a lot to keep up there, but the documentaries, it seems, are just happening every week. What are some of the recent documentaries you've watched over the past year during COVID and and what stood out to you?
1: Oh, so many. Thankfully, I haven't watched too many that I didn't like. I will say most recently, I really love the Sparks documentary this was a band that i knew existed and i knew that they were from la other than that i really knew nothing about them and the trailer sold me on it it was you know ripe with talking heads which you know obviously draws you in cuz they're like oh beck likes this band and the way they did the trailer was so good that I was dying to watch this movie, even though I don't think I had ever even put on a Sparks record. It was just perfectly done. Obviously, they were well-deserving of it. This band had been around, I think they made, what, 25 records? They're still going and just sort of had this weird series of, I don't want to call them failures, but near misses and being kind of on the verge of extreme fame. It was a really good story to tell. So I love that one. And Summer of Soul. Oh, I don't even have the words to talk about how good that one was. It was so perfect. It was just moving and feels important. And I would not be surprised if that one gets nominated for an Oscar. It was so good. As I said, there's not been many that I haven't liked, which is great. But I've also really liked some jazz documentaries. There's this great one called The Jazz Loft and another one called The Great Day in Harlem, which were both fantastic. Highly recommend. And I watched the Billie Eilish documentary one day. I was looking for something to watch and I was like, I'll just throw this on. Maybe it'll just, you know, be bad and I'll turn it off. It was so good. Hmm. I think I cried. It was amazing. I'm also so behind because, as you said, people are just making so many documentaries, like the Velvet Underground thing. I didn't even know that was coming, and there it is. I need to watch that immediately.
0: Yeah, I, I've got a whole list, and and sometimes the list that I, I want to talk about on here and the list that I'd like to watch and what's streaming and not, they don't always line up. But it's funny because the other Steve over here saw the Sparks documentary and, and felt the same way. He loved it, and he didn't know the band, and... They were always in Cree Magazine when I was a kid, and that was kind of my Bible. I could not name a song or, or hum a song, and uh, that's high on my list. So maybe we'll try and work together and, and talk about that one, because everything I've heard about that is amazing. Summer of Soul, it might just be the right movie at the right time, because it, it was hugely uplifting.
1: I listen to Sparks all the time now. It did its wow. job. <laughs> like I know, like wake up with Sparks songs in my head. And yeah, I mean, Summer of Soul made me cry also. Uh, everybody's just so moved by it. Those are great. Top of the list.
0: And what about music films? We haven't done any of these since our first episode, but, you know, things that aren't documentaries like Bohemian Rhapsody, or as I mentioned, our first episode of The Harder They Come, which was one of the first music films I saw back in Miami in probably 1978 or something. Do you like or watch those as well?
1: I mean, I, I find them enjoyable. They're not as high up on my priority list. I feel like a lot of times they need to be taken with a grain of salt. You know, I think Bohemian Rhapsody was great, but it definitely did not tell 100% of the story, I think. And, you know, it depends on who's involved on the back end on a lot of these films. Sometimes they don't want to tell the truth always. But yeah, I mean, the harder they come, I actually watched that pretty recently because it's such a classic and it was so important to reggae music. I actually loved hearing your podcast on it And I felt so dumb because I did not watch the restored version with the subtitles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I spent a good part of the movie like rewinding. Like, what are they saying? Because the Patois is so beautiful, but it's very difficult (laughs) times to understand.
0: Sometimes indecipherable.
1: Movies like that are just classics and they're so important to watch. I enjoy these. I mean, like they can break your heart. There was a movie about Darby Crash and the Germs a while ago that was just a bit rough. And the one about Joy Division, it's hard to see them made about bands you like because I think your expectations are very high and it's easy to be, you know, not exactly psyched about some creative decisions that the directors might be making. I'm a little bit worried about when the Jeff Buckley one comes out because I, uh, you know, I feel so close to Jeff Buckley. I love him so much. These people that make these films, they're just sort of asking for trouble when you make them, when you have these legions of dedicated fans that it can be somewhat risky.
0: Yeah, well, the Jeff Buckley one is such a huge and tragic tale. That will be interesting. You know, the Bohemian Rhapsody, I'm kind of with you on that. It wasn't my favorite, and it was because of what you said as a huge fan. I saw them within Lizzie opening back in the day. And, um, (laughs) you know, they were incredible And it was really young at that time. But now looking back, I watched the movie and I'm like, they play a song on the soundtrack that's not from the correct period of the band. And it just made me crazy, you know, Um, even though the actor was great.
1: Yeah, he was great. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen Rocket Man, but I heard that, you know, that was done in collaboration with Elton John. And I heard that it's actually such a great movie and he didn't hold back at all. I really do want to see that one because that's one where I think he apparently just let it all out.
0: They didn't sync it to Elton songs. He sang everything that's in right, that. Yeah. So that, that is interesting and another great story. You know, as I mentioned, like Steve and I, you're in the music business. You know, you're close to a lot of bands and you hear a lot of music, some probably under the radar. But what are some docs that you think flew under that radar that people should have seen or maybe they even should have received more media attention?
1: I mean, I think the ones that tend to fly under the radar are the ones about artists that are lesser known. I love a band called Brainiac. And their lead singer tragically died in a car crash right as they were on the cusp of some more mainstream success. And there's a great documentary about it called Transmissions After Zero, which is just a couple of years old. And I think it was just so well done. It was really well made. I was like pleasantly surprised at how good of a job they did in telling the story of this band. And it's a band I think people should pay more attention to. The film about polystyrene.
0: Oh, yeah. I want to see that. Called
1: I Am a Cliche. Her daughter made it and it's fantastic. You know, I think that one flew under the radar a little bit. I think a lot of people saw Summer of Soul, hopefully, because of Questlove. So there you have somebody very high profile who's made a great film and it helps that one not fly under the radar, but that should be required viewing.
0: Mm. <laughs> It's interesting because I found something I recorded on PBS last night. It was two hours and it was kind of late, so I only watched the first half of it. But there's a BCN documentary, which I must have heard of because I taped it. You know, a lot of talking heads in that one, but, you know, living in Boston and coming here for school and seeing some of this old footage and the people that you heard on the radio, you know, so far so good. It's pretty fascinating, you know, and you're in the industry, so you might find it interesting. It's not an easy watch, but it's fascinating.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's so many niche documentaries out there. There's one coming out on this guy, Reverend Vince, who had a night at Union Pool, which is a bar in Brooklyn that I used to go to. And like everybody that goes to that bar will see it and hopefully it'll get beyond that. Yeah. I'd like to see that BCN one. That'd be good.
0: It's really good. And, and, you know, they have footage of Led Zeppelin playing it. It's a tiny, tiny, tiny little bar. And Peter Grant said they knew about an hour of music and then they just jammed on the rest, and they end up playing for four hours. And I was like, well, that might be a little much. You're listening to All Music Books Deep Dive, part of All Music Podcasts and Pantheon Media. We've been speaking with Sonia Kolarat, who is an old friend of mine from Ryko Disc days and is still involved in the music industry, and more importantly, is a huge documentary fan and loves talking music docs. When we first started talking to you about getting you involved in this, you mentioned a phrase to me. And I found it such a profound sentiment that I wanted to make note of it and then share it with our listeners and ask you. You mentioned which films deliver what I demand in a documentary. And I remember the word demand. And I have to ask you, what, what are your demands?
1: I'm a demanding viewer for sure. I feel like some of it is technical and some of it is personal, but really, I mean, from a technical standpoint, I demand (laughs) that the talking heads are immediately identified and continue to be identified through the whole movie. It's so important. And it just drives me crazy when they'll tell me who somebody is once And then they'll show up half an hour later and not bother to to put their name on the screen again. I'm like, wait, who is that again? I feel so bad. These people have probably volunteered their time to be part of it. And they're not getting, you know, the proper billing. And I I just, as soon as I see a documentary that does not have people identified immediately, I'm just like, oh, (laughs) mad. I also demand diversity. I can't tell you how many documentaries I've seen that are just interviewing white men. And they're mostly the ones about record collecting, to be (laughs) fair. But yeah, I would like some more, like, interview some women, interview some non-white people. I think that's really, in this day and age, so important. And it's bananas if that's not there. And then my final demand (laughs) is, if your subject is no longer with us, please do not end the film at their death. I have seen many, many documentaries where like, oh, and then so-and-so died, the end. It's like, no, 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 (laughs) I need more. Please give me 10 minutes more of their legacy after death. Like actually the Brainiac documentary did a great job with that because they continued for about 10 or 15 minutes after the lead singer's death and interviewed people about his legacy and what he left behind. I think that's so important. This is not a music documentary, but I watched the Divine documentary recently and that was one where they really missed out on discussing so much about the importance of divine in drag culture. Like, granted, it was a few years old, but they really missed an opportunity there. And I was like, oh, not again.
0: <laughs> well, I have to say that that that's a good one and an interesting one because you got to figure, I mean, there are a lot of documentaries about, like you said, niche people. But if it, if it gets a documentary, you have to figure that the effect down the road is large enough to examine, you know, and I would point to the polystyrene one that you talked about. I mean, that album cover from their album, I can still see it in my head, you know, her whole story is really incredible. And I hope they do that in in the film because that's one that I really do want to see.
1: Yeah. I'm pretty sure they do.
0: (laughs) It was made by her daughter. So, you know, like you said, you got to think that she carries on the, uh, the legacy. Yeah. What are your feelings on documentaries versus concert films? I know sometimes they they merge and sometimes they're just straight up concerts. You know, sometimes I'll put some talking heads in there. But do you feel a concert film is a documentary?
1: It's a tough question. My preference is to, to have a story being told. So I think there are a couple of things that one might consider concert films, but they are they also have backstage stuff and like are sort of telling the story. Like Aretha did that you know like aretha you think is a concert film but then there's actually a, a story being told there you know to have other things going on aside from just a concert i think you know think about the last waltz and woodstock there's stories being told there like i i personally don't want to sit down and just watch like so and so live at red rocks for 2 hours did you see the leon russell they called it a documentary, but it was actually, it was called A Poem is a Naked Person. Mm-mm. And it was a lot of concert footage, but a lot of just hanging out footage. And that was fantastic. There wasn't really much of a story being told there. So yeah, I prefer a straight up documentary. But if there's an important concert film like Aretha, I will gladly watch that.
0: I wonder because in the pandemic, you know, one of the things that we have lost is the ability to see live music. I do find it by far less satisfying. You know, I've tuned into a few things here and there. They're mostly older ones. But sitting down and watching two hours of live music is a little
1: odd. It is true. I I paid money for a couple of those concerts during the pandemic, like Nick Cave. And there was the Raga Festival. Oh, my God. Those were both pretty amazing because you didn't know what was going to happen. And the Raga it's just such I don't I forget that I love raga music and then all of a sudden I've got 24 hours of it that I can watch. So it's surprising. So I think you just have to be in the mood for what you're doing. And like I think the documentaries require focus. Whereas a concert film, you could put on a straight up concert film in the background and just kind of go about your day and enjoy it.
0: You know, there's a couple that have merged, especially I I was such a big punk rock fan. And they're two of the more unsatisfying ones. If you uh, don't consider the live performances, but Rude Boy by The Clash, the story is kind of crap that goes on in that film. Uh. The live performances are unbelievable. And then, you know, another one is The Great Rock and Roll Swindle, which with the Sex Pistols and that one sort of collapses in on itself because of the whole swindle thing and you know there's some interesting bits there but largely it's it's kind of neither
1: yeah i mean but that's one that's also considered a classic so you kind of just have to watch it oh definitely <laughs>
0: and I, I i don't need an excuse to sit down and watch music so. <laughs> you've watched a lot of movies who and what films would you like to explore with us you know you're welcome anytime and, and we alternate with the books but you know if you want to throw some out and say why you'd be interested, and in, you know maybe the folks who made them can listen and get psyched and and book us to speak with them about it. Ooh, <laughs>
1: exciting! Yeah, I mean I moved to LA about two and a half years ago, and I've really been diving into LA punk rock. So I would love to talk to Penelope Sferis, who did the Decline of Western Civilization films. Those are so good and fascinating, and I have a lot of questions for her. And she seems like a complete badass. So yeah, let's get her on. Come That's on, Penelope. A, I love those. Yeah. And you know, I'm lucky enough to actually know a few documentary filmmakers that I think would be really fun to talk to. I feel like maybe I've mentioned these folks to you, but like my friend Stephen Kayak did 30 century man about Scott Walker, and also he's done films on the Stones and Leonard Skinnerd.
0: The Leonard Skinnard one I just recently watched and it, it was great. It was really good.
1: Oh good. Yeah. I I'm so behind. You know, you mentioned Cream Magazine. My friend Scott Crawford made a documentary on Cream, and he also did a documentary about DC Punk called Salad Days. And yeah, let's talk to Questlove. (laughs) Definitely. Hey, (laughs) if
0: you can get him on the line, I'm there. (laughs) You know, uh, it's interesting because we talked about this, and there are so many being made, and you'd like to think, you know, there's some that reach collective consciousness, and then there's some where you can call up and say, let's dig a little deeper. What bands and artists are you listening to or have listened to that you think would deserve documentaries that have not had them? I know that's a tough question, but what the heck?
1: It is a tough question because it's a never-ending list, really. But, I mean, back to L.A. Punk Rock, I'm obsessed with a band called The Screamers and their singer, Tomita Duplenty. And if I ever made a documentary, it would be about them. They actually never made a record. They made demos, which recently came out. And they really were pioneers. In the early 70s, they were basically punk rockers. And like Sparks, they were a real West Coast phenomenon. So I moved here and heard about them. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to go listen to them on Spotify. And then I type them in. There's nothing there. I could make a great documentary <laughs> on them. But yeah, I think Gang of Four who I've, I work with, um, you know, for my day job in the music business, I think they would make for a great documentary mm-hmm. subject. They've got, you know, it's bands. It's, it's, I think you need a band where there's something else going on. There's a story to be told, whether it be their political leanings or whether it be, you know, some sort of personal story. There are a lot of artists out there that could use a documentary. I think there's a lot being made, maybe on artists that don't need documentaries <laughs> either. I mean, it's funny that I watched that Billie Eilish one because she has like what one or two records under her belt. At the time the documentary came out, it was one record. So it was kind of funny.
0: But she's the biggest star in the world. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny you mentioned Gang of Four because they were hugely influential on me and entertainment was something when I was... 15 years old i listened to all the time and i created a silk screen of that great t-shirt and made them in my garage and gave them away and <laughs> i came up to boston because my best friend's sister went to school up here and she turned me on to that record and it was just a whole new world you know and i ended up seeing gang of four up here with rem opening which was a pretty good double oh, wow. bill they don't do that anymore but and you know rem is probably ripe
1: You could make a documentary about Gang of Four or somebody could make a documentary about the music scene in Leeds during that time, which also included a ton of other bands like the Mekons. And like Adam Larson, I think, is planning on making a documentary about a specific era of, of music in Boston, which includes an era of the Pixies and throwing muses documentaries about specific eras and specific places are really interesting to me. Also, we could use a few more of those.
0: Yeah, definitely. CBGBs. I think there's one on them and I think it's crap, but I could be wrong on that. <laughs> it's amazing to me after just seeing the beginning of the BCN one, you know, you just wonder how this footage exists because it wasn't like there are phones, you know, it's all like eight millimeters, super eight, you know, people were carrying around movie cameras and there's plenty of it out there, you know, for period pieces. So I think that's a pretty fascinating thing.
1: Yeah, I think we don't need any more documentaries about people that buy records. (laughs) There's so many of them and they keep coming. I just don't get it.
0: But as you know, being in the industry that, you know, vinyl is at an all time high now. I mean, it's just insane. The production timelines are like nine months. If you submit a record today, you'll get product in nine months.
1: Oh, if you're lucky. (laughs) If you're
0: lucky. There you go.
1: I'll take a 20 minute documentary on how to make a record from start to finish at a vinyl plant. I would Mm, watch that. Wow.
0: Well, listen, we have some cool films lined up for you. I'll keep you in the list, but it includes our very next one, Who Do You Want Me To Be?, who's on musician, actor, and serious radio host, Michael DeBar. I saw his band Detective back in the 70s, and I remembered him in Sir With Love. The movie was a trip. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Oh, I learned so much. I knew the name, of course, but I did not know that he has done so much. Did you know that he wrote... Obsession I did by Anna. I love that song. I did not know that he wrote that. Yeah. And he is just like he seems like such a character. I just want to hang out with him. He <laughs> is look, he is so cool. Like I yeah, and I listened to a lot of the music that he made not knowing that he made it so that was a great watch
0: yeah well that should be a lot of fun and uh, I'm looking forward to I think we're recording that uh, this week and that'll be up soon for all you folks out there who haven't heard or seen of it listen Sonia we appreciate both your time and your input here people will be hearing from you as much as as we can I want to thank you for your time and introducing yourself to our audience Uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun
1: Thank you so much for inviting me, Steve. I can't wait to get into this. <laughs>
0: soon enough. Soon, soon come, as they say in uh, the heart of come. Thank you, Sonia. Thank you. All Music Movies is part of the All Music Podcast series and a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network.